0: Father, we come before you today looking to you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that there's life in the word. Thank you for the spirit of the living God that is in this place today. And Lord, we give you praise for giving us utterance. I pray the eyes of our hearts to be flooded with light and our spirit men to be strengthened today through the word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, I'd like for you to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel, uh, the 30th chapter. We're going to read about 19 verses, so pay close attention to the verses that we're going to be reading. And then I'm going to talk to you just a while this morning on recovery from loss. I'm going to share some principles on how that you may experience recover from some sort of a loss that you may have had in your life. So in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 19. And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city. They were out fighting. They were out doing the will of God. They came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. I want you to pay particular attention to that until they had no more power to weep. Verse 5. And David's two wives, you can only have one now, guys, were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man's for his sons and his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And then in verse 7, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went. He and six hundred men that were with him came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over to the brook of Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field, and they brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece, a cake of figs, and two clusters of raisins, And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom do you belong? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, the ones that had just raided Ziklag. And my master left me, Because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the south of the Cherethites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said unto him, Can you bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of the great spoil that had taken out, that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Verse 19. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that, had take, that they had taken to them, David recovered all. Our God is a God of recovery. He recovers lost souls, lost relationships, lost hopes, lost property, lost health. Perhaps you have experienced a loss in your life. Maybe something has been stolen from you by the enemy. I just want to share a few principles with you today that will help you during that season of your life. Number one, make sure that you take time to weep. Make sure that you take time to weep. When they came back and that they saw the loss of their city and the loss of their families they wept to the degree where they had no, power, no more power to weep. I want to say to you this morning that feeling anguish or sorrow and expressing it is not wrong. It is normal. Especially if you have experienced a sudden loss. Unfortunately, in the body of Christ, there are those that will tell you that it's wrong to grieve, that it's wrong to weep. Our weeping is not as the world weeps when we lose a loved one, because we have hope beyond the grave. Ecclesiastes tells us very clearly in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 3, to everything there is a season, everyone say there's a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up and a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Somebody say amen. It's okay to shed some tears. I can remember when my older sister Lucy died. I was the youngest of four, born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. My oldest brother Dan, who lives in Phoenix, Arizona, is still alive today. He's about 76 years old. My brother Tim, who I was very close to, passed away when he was only 54 years old. I was 50 at the time. And then just in 2015, actually April 28th of 2015, my older sis, Lucy, died, passed away. All of them are in heaven. To God be the glory. And of course, I was raised Catholic and I went to the Catholic Mass where they had the service for my sister Lucy. And I was doing, you know, pretty good right up until the time that the service ended. I knew that she was there. I knew she was in heaven, and I knew that I would see her again. But something just caused me to weep at the end of that service. And you know what? There was a cleansing. There was a purification. There was something wonderful that happened when I released that. Some of you may owe God some tears. Perhaps some of you have been holding things in so much that it is literally, literally hurting you rather than helping you moving right along the second thing that we need to realize is we must not blame others the men that were with david they laid the blame at david's feet they were so distressed that they wanted to stone him and it wasn't with medical marijuana They were so upset that they literally wanted to pick up rocks and start stoning David. Don't be in that group. That always has to blame someone else. How many of you know that blaming others will not make anyone feel any better? Blaming others only will add to the tension that's already there. Turning to Genesis chapter 3, we see this way back in the book of the beginnings. This is after Adam and Eve ate of the, of the tree of the forbidden fruit. And God came down in the cool of the day, and he was looking for them. And in Genesis 3.11, it says this, And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? Where have I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman, blame shifting, the woman, and you gave her to me. She gave me of the tree and I did eat. And then the Lord said to the woman, what is it that you've done? And she said, the devil made me do it. The servant beguiled me, and I did eat. The interesting thing that I see here in First Samuel chapter 30, you'll never see David blaming God. He did not blame God. He could have gotten uh, an attitude of, oh, here I'm out slaying the Philistines, here I'm out doing the will of God, and then this Happens, My brothers and sisters, I want you to know today that God is not the source of our trouble. No, Jesus drew a very clear delineation between the source of good and the source of evil. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, right? If something steals and kills and destroys, don't blame God for it. On the other hand, if something is abundant, if something that is good, every good gift comes from our good, good Father. Amen? Amen. Amen? Give Him the credit for the good things that are happening in your life. And when the enemy comes in, to steal and kill and destroy, rise up in the name of Jesus. Rise up and plead the blood of Jesus. Rise up and take the word of God and the sword of the Spirit and put that rat on the run. See, in this world, there's going to be trouble. John 16, verse 63 in the Amplified says it this way. He said, I've told you these things that in me you might have perfect peace. Everyone say in Christ. I have perfect peace. In me, you might have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you will have tribulations and trials and distress and sometimes frustration. But Jesus did not say, because those things are happening, tuck tail, go hide in a cave, stay away from the devil and don't upset him and don't make him mad no Jesus didn't say that Jesus said but be of what be of good cheer there's something about cheering up even when things look bad that will cause the presence of God to come upon the scene and for him to inhabit glory to God the very territory you are in with his presence and cause the enemy to flee he said be a good cheer take courage and be confident be certain and be undaunted for I have overcome the world I have deprived it of its power to harm you and I have conquered it for you amen so number one take time to weep. number two don't blame God and then number three strengthen yourself in the Lord strengthen yourself in the Lord We read it. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He couldn't find his men to encourage him. He couldn't look at the circumstances to encourage him. So what did David do? David did what we must do. We must go to the rock that is higher than I. We must lift our affection above the things that are going on around us and encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit will help you encourage yourself in the Lord. If you'll just give him some time, if you'll just give the Lord some praise, if you'll just open your mouth and start singing the praises of God and start declaring the word of God, the Holy Ghost will take hold together with you and he will bring his strength in the midst of a weak situation. Hallelujah. Said me, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord all week long. Look at Psalm 42, and look at, it at verse 10 and 11 in the Amplified Version. Strengthen yourself. Psalm 42, verse 10 says, As with a sword crushing in my bones, my enemies taunt and reproach me, while they say continually to me, Where is your God? Where is your God? In verse 11, this is David writing, David speaking. Why are you cast down, O my soul, O my inner self? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Hope in God. Wait expectantly for him. Here's what David said. For I will yet praise him. Because I know where my help comes from. I know that he is the glory. I know that he is the lifter up of my head. Hallelujah. I know where my hope comes from. For I'm going to praise him. For he is the health of my continents. And he's my God. Has your God seen you through some midnight hours? Yes. Has your God taken you through some tough times? Yes. Well, the same God took David through his darkest, darkest hour. Have you discovered this? That you cannot encourage yourself in the Lord and blame God at the same time. You can't do it. And you must not do it. When you're done taking your time to weep, strengthen yourself in the Lord your God. Spend some time in His Word. Rehearse and remind yourself of God's past interventions in your life. Can you look back and see something the Lord's done for you? You need to embrace that and talk about it. And praise God for what He has done and for what He will yet do. Amen? So when you're facing a distressing situation and distressing circumstances, do what you need to do. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. There's a pastor that had gone to the doctor and a great big uh, spot was on his lung and he was diagnosed with lung cancer. He took the diagnosis and went home, thanked the doctor. And he locked himself in his room for two days. He just read verses. He read healing scriptures. He brought a great big jug of water in there with him. And he just stayed in the word. You know, Jesus said this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The difficulty is, is people are asking sometimes too soon before they're fully persuaded of what God's Word says about their healing. You may have read healing scriptures last year, but have you read healing scriptures today? You you may have been persuaded a month ago, but are you persuaded today? And the thing that will cause you to be persuaded and stay persuaded and even get to a point where you become fully persuaded is staying in this Word and letting it abide in you. Amen? So this pastor took healing scriptures, took a great big gallon of water, told his wife, you know, I'm going to be in here for a couple days and just started declaring, quoting, meditating on God's Word. And prayed and praised till he got a note of victory. How many of you know it's important to pray and praise and be in the word till you get a note of victory? He said, okay, honey. He says, I got it. A couple of weeks later, they went back to the doctor. Every bit of cancer had left his lung. That's the kind of God we serve. See, what he did is he gave place to God and gave place to the word rather than giving place to fear. You receive a diagnosis like that, it's either going to be, okay, we're going to take the Word of God and we're going to walk this out by faith or you're going to yield to fear. Amen? But how many of you know God didn't give you a spirit of fear? Hallelujah. Say it with me. God didn't give me a spirit of fear but a power and a love. And what kind of a mind do you have? I got a sound mind. The next thing that David did is he sought God. He sought direction. The scripture says that David inquired of the Lord and asked him, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? You know, when seeking God for direction, the timing is often as as important as the actions that we take. Amen? Amen. You can know the will of God, but you almost also must know the timing of God's will for your life. And that's where it's important to seek Him. In, in Proverbs, it says this, that we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. And then in verse 6, it says, in all of your ways, do what? Acknowledge, Acknowledge Him. In other words, Look to him for direction. Ask him for wisdom. David is going before the Lord. He's inquiring of the Lord. And he's saying, shall I pursue? And if I shall pursue, when shall I pursue? Shall I pursue? How shall I pursue? David is seeking the Lord. He's looking to him. Aren't you glad that you've got a guide living on the inside of you? He knows the future better than anyone knows. He lives in you. In Romans eight fourteen, it says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Say this with me. Sons of God, sons of God can, expe- can expect, can expect to, be to be led by the Spirit of God. The, Spirit of God. the answer is, to a million and one questions is this be led by the spirit of God be directed by him ask him I love what James says in James chapter 1 he says if any of you lack wisdom do what call everyone in the 510 area code call all your friends and ask them what do you think I ought to do Now, there's nothing wrong with receiving godly counsel. But how many of you know God's put the counselor on the inside of you? You've got a guide on the inside. Just place your hand over your heart and say this with me. I've got a guide living on the inside. So in James 1, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, we could say it this way. If any of you lack direction. Anybody seeking some direction for any area of their life here this morning? That's probably about 90%. If any of you lack wisdom concerning direction, let them ask of God. Let them ask of God. Remember, we have not because we what? There's power in asking. You know, in Jeremiah... He tells us to call unto him. Call unto me. And I will show you great and what? Mighty things which you don't know yet. I will show you great and mighty things. One translation says, I will show you great and hidden things. See, there are things that are hidden to our understanding. And just because they're hidden to our understanding does not mean that we should let go and quit because wisdom in the heart of man is like deep waters and a man of God and a woman of God will be able to draw that wisdom out one way that we draw his wisdom out is we ask him what we should do we ask him for the direction that we need if any of you lack wisdom Let him ask of God. This is what David is doing. He's inquiring of the Lord. Here's another good, good nugget for you. Make sure that before you ask and the more you seek direction, make sure that all discouragement has been put outside. Make sure that you don't ask in a state of confusion. Make sure that you don't ask in a state of despondency or hopelessness. Take some time to get yourself built up. Amen? Take some time to to be in the presence of the Lord and then say, okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you for the direction I need here. I'm asking you for wisdom. What will he do when you ask him for wisdom? The scripture says, he giveth to men, all men liberally and upbraideth not, which means he doesn't withhold it. Amen? Glory to God. He upbraideth not. He will give us the wisdom that we need. Amen? Amen? So be expected. You know, if you've suffered some kind of loss, don't panic. Don't rush out. Inquire of God. Expecting Him to aid you in the pursuit of your recovery. The next thing that David did is he continued to serve others. He continued to serve others. Think about it just for a moment. David has to lead the very folks that wanted to stone him. He has to lead the very folks that wanted to stone him. My, my, my. That's not an easy job. And here's the point. Even... When you're at the point of personal weariness and perplexity, God will still use you to help others. Your world may be coming apart at the seams, but God will use you to help someone just to show you that it's Him doing the work and not you. Hallelujah. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm down. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need... We need to get out of needy mindset Christianity and go out and be the one that meets others people's needs. Amen? Yeah, you're hurting. Yes, it hurts. But it's not going to do you any good to stay in the house with the covers over your head. And talk about how bad it is and how terrible it is. I'm telling you, you need to get up and get out and get back in life and start being a blessing to someone else. You can still be used by God to meet another person's need. God is good. God is good. Regardless of what's going on in our lives. Amen? And if you're in a leadership role, I got news for you. Don't expect most people to think about your needs. They just aren't going to do it. Don't expect for people to fall over you all over you and think about your needs. Most will only think about their own needs. That's just the way it is. So we need to get on the giving end of life. Out of the selfish end of life. And by love, start serving one another, even when you may be hurting. Has anybody in this place today served God while they were hurting? So you know what that feels like. It's a good thing to keep moving. Here's what... uh, Here's what Paul said over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 or 12 verse 10 and 11. You want me to spin some plates this morning? Would it be helpful if I did the Elvis or something? Work you up a little bit. (laughs) I could spin some plates if you want me to. I could go... (laughs) Glory to God. Somebody shout, amen. 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 2 Corinthians. Notice with me uh, in chapter uh, 12, verse 9 and 10. And he said to me, my grace, my favor, and loving kindness and mercy is enough for you, sufficient against any danger, and enables you to bear the trouble manfully. For my strength and power are made perfect, fulfilled, and completed, and show themselves most effective in your weakness. Therefore, I will take all the more gladly, I will all the more gladly glory in my weaknesses and infirmities, that the strength and the power of Christ the Messiah may rest, yes, may pitch a tent over me and dwell upon me, for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased and take pleasures in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, and distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, what am I? I am truly strong, able, powerful in divine strength. And then lastly, be open to receive help from unexpected sources be open to receive help from unexpected sources the egyptian was part of that raiding party but the egyptian helped him you know david's men probably felt like killing him the moment that they saw him listen to this statement God will not ever fit neatly into whatever box you've designed for Him how many of you know God can use a sinner God can use a saint now listen to this statement unless you're forced to compromise your convictions or principles don't burn down bridges that exist between you and others you may never know who God is going to use or when He might use them. Be open for God to intervene in unexpected ways from unexpected resources. Amen. Let's all stand. Amen.